What if you had a guide who could tell you how to bridge a gap between who you are today and who you're destined to be? What if each week you could hear a story of someone who has tried and succeeded, or perhaps tried and failed, but learned something in the process? Limitless Spirit is a weekly podcast where host Helen Todd interviews guests about topics and personal stories on defining life's purpose, pursuing personal growth, and developing a deeper faith in Christ. When you see the need, and more, more so than the need, but the hunger that the people overseas in these third world countries have, it makes you uh, kind of embarrassed of how gospel hardened and spoiled we are as a nation. Once I got the bug and started ministering on the missions field, it was hard to come back and just be a part of a church and set up on the platform and play guitar. You know, I wanted to be more hands-on involved in the ministry side of it. Welcome to the Limitless Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Todd. As the vice president of a missions organization, I frequently meet Christians who seek out an opportunity to go on a mission trip because they love God and want to express his, uh, this love by doing something for God. Or perhaps because they feel compassion for the people who are hurting and want to help. However, there is so much more hidden in Christ's call to the Great Commission. There are personal rewards that cannot be found unless we respond to this call. My guest on this episode is Scott Presley. He's a musician at the Presley's Country Jubilee and the pastor of a Freedom Fellowship Church in Branson, Missouri. The Presley name has been well known in Branson, Missouri and throughout the country since the Presley family had built Branson's first live music theater 55 years ago. With this family history, it's natural that Scott pursued a career in entertainment business. And even though he accepted Christ at an early age and some family members mentioned that he could be a pastor, Scott never considered ministry, mainly because of his fear of public speaking. For a while, Scott's faith took second place to his career because Sundays were his only day off and he was not able to attend church regularly. But in the summer of 2004, everything changed when him and his wife had a profound spiritual experience. In our conversation, you will hear how Scott discovered that God has given him so much more than just the gift of music. Hello, Scott. Welcome to the Limitless Spirit Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good, Helen. Good to see you. You know, as you mentioned in our pre-interview chat, that we've been friends for many years, but we have really never talked about your story. So. I am a little embarrassed um, that, you know, I'm just going to learn some parts of your testimony, but also excited at the mm -hmm. same time. Good. Well, I am, too. I'm excited to share with you. So um, Scott Presley, just the Presley last name is sort of a household name in our area, uh, Branson, Missouri, but <laughs> not just in our area. It's all across the country because the Presley show is very well known and loved and has over 50 years of history, which is astounding, I think, for entertainment. Yeah, we're actually in our, uh, this is our 55th anniversary this year. 55th anniversary. Yes. So yes, even for entertainment industry, I think this is just like 
some kind of a record. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, you know, I've I've never uh, we've never really searched it out to figure it out, but I would say we're probably one of, if not the longest running live show in the country. I would. I mean, it'd be interesting to find out if we are or who is. <laughs> and so, uh, remind me, are you? The first show in Branson that literally started Branson or the second show? Or there's a debate? Well, it depends on how you want to look at it. Uh, my, my grandfather, Lloyd, started doing uh, shows down at the lakefront on and off way, way, way back. And um, the uh, the Mabe family at one time was doing weekends uh, shows in a skating rink downtown Branson. That would have been about the same time Grandpa was doing some of his his stuff. But in 1967... My family built the first theater in the Branson area. There had never been a, a music theater built uh, specifically for that. And it was on Highway 76 about, uh, I think, I don't know, four or five miles. I'm not sure exactly outside the city limits. And a few years later, the Ballnovers built their theater across the street from us. And uh, we've, we've been going ever since. So as far as, as the first debate, we were the first theater in the area. We, we, I don't want to say started it. There was a lot of stuff that helped uh, orchestrate what, what has happened here. But but we were first in that aspect. Well, and it uh, really, uh, I would say, grew Branson area into what it is today. Um, it was the launch uh, for for Branson, for what it stands for today. Uh, you know, de- definitely for the music side of things, it, it was. But, you know, there was... I don't think any one person or group can take the uh, you know, the responsibility for all of that. I mean, there was some great things going on. You know, we had Silver Dollar City that had been open a few years uh, before we were. You had Shepherd of the Hills here. You had the lakes. And my, my family's rationale was this road, 76. There was only seven businesses on that road between us and downtown Branson at that time. And they thought if we build this theater right here on the road that everybody has to take to go to the lake, to go to Silver Dollar City, we can pick off a few tourists on the way. And it worked. Scott, and I just watched the other day this new movie about Elvis. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Have you seen it yet? I have not. I have not. It's definitely worth watching. Um, But um, from my understanding is there is a connection between your family and Elvis's family. There's some relation way back, but it's something that we've never laid claim to uh, just because we're in the same industry. So we've never wanted people thinking that we're trying to play and off of his name. Um, you know, the the truth of the matter is my, my grandfather was doing this way, way, was in the music industry before Elvis even hit it big. So, I mean, El, I just say Elvis made a lot more money doing it than we have. So. <laughs> got you, got you. Well, that was a little bit of a detour, but I want to talk about oh, your right. story. Um, you know, your family is uh, is definitely uh, known uh, for being this family that loves the Lord and serves the Lord, but that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. guarantee a child becoming a Christian just because you were born into a family of believers. So exactly. how did you exactly. come to know Jesus personally? Oh, my goodness. Well, it, one of those things, and I, I don't know your story, too. I I don't know if you came to the knowledge of Jesus at a young age, but I, I did. I mean, uh, faith in, in the Lord, faith in Jesus is something that was instilled to me for, I mean, as long as I can remember. Um, I remember going up to my great-grandparents' house in Springfield on Christmas Eve. And my great grandfather and my, my grandpa, Carl, would always be discussing Bible prophecy. 
they they had it all figured out, of course, you know. And uh, I would just, man, I was just mesmerized by that as a, at a young age. And um, I'd always had a passion to learn learn about his word and learn about him. And so, it, you know, I feel like I've, for as long back, as far back as I remember, I've had that relationship. I would say actually what you might call sealed the deal when I was about 14 years old at First Assemblies of God Church here in, in Branson in, in the pastor's office. He just uh, led me down the Romans Road and... Um, I just felt the presence of God in such a heavy way in that day. And that's, I was baptized shortly after that. And that, like I said, that's, that's when, when it got real. So then you just, uh, have you ever considered at a young age um, pursuing your future in ministry or that was never on your radar back then? Absolutely not. I, I had uh, growing up, I had I was interested in those things, but I had no desire. I think one of my biggest fears would be speaking in front of a group of people. I didn't didn't want to do that. But I, I remember back as a kid, you know, about 10 years old, listening to my grandparents or my my great grandfather, my grand uh, grandpa speak and talk about uh, Bible prophecy and the way I soak it in. I remember my great grandfather saying this kid's going to be a preacher one of these days. And I'm like, absolutely not. No way. But I think he was right. Uh, but you did have passion for music, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, still do. I mean, you you can't grow up around uh, this many musicians and in this industry and, and not. And, and that's the case for me anyway. So you sort of saw your future as continuing your family business. And that was the path that you chose or you had some other dreams? Uh, you know, that's always what I envisioned myself doing. I mean, that's what I grew up uh, around and, and I love playing. I love music and I, I just love being a part of it. So, no, I never, never thought of doing anything else, really. So um, at one point, God called you to the mission field that made a significant impact on your life. So let's talk about this. How did it happen? Well, that happened. Oh, my goodness. After uh, we had trying to think when when we started getting back into church probably I was in my early 30s late 20s somewhere in there we would just just had my oldest son Brett he was a baby we gotten involved in uh, in First Baptist Church here in Branson because we wanted to bring our kids up you know in in church so prior to that did you have like a gap of not being not attending church not no no I didn't attend too much uh, and you know that's that's an interesting thing especially with the industry that we're in too and uh, the hours that we keep uh, Sunday morning services don't work real well with musicians <laughs> so that's your time to sleep in it is it is I mean Sunday would be our only day off and you know when I was a kid we would we would go to church but we weren't as regular as some people were and then uh, you know once Melinda and I got married we we weren't quite a, we weren't regular we went down and visited her parents church you know a, f- a couple times a month but uh, it was at that point after Brett was born that we really became regular churchgoers and I, I became involved in the the praise team playing guitar and things changed um, immensely for me and I would guess it would be the summer of 2004 and. Um, you know, I know people have different views on this and, and different things, but that's when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and uh, God just opened doors immediately into ministry and uh, it, nothing's been the same since. It does make a big difference, doesn't it? 
Um, there is yeah. that empowerment, yeah. you know, that uh, you can't deny. <laughs> and that in turn right. makes That's you true. want to do more and, and dig deeper into who God is. And so then how did that lead to you going on your first mission trip? Well, it was um, one of those things, man, I get teary-eyed a lot of times when I talk about this. Right after that experience happened to me, there was a, a guy by the name of Danny Bird that was singing with us. And he, he said, I've got a guy coming to the show that I used to lead worship for down in uh, his church on the rock down in Texas. He was a guy by the name of Bob Mason. He led a, uh, had a missions group called Missions International. Uh, Bob had uh, been all over the world, just just amazing testimonies. Never met this man. And Danny's like, I, he's going to be at the show tonight. I want you to meet him. So I ended up uh, talking with Bob after the show for well over an hour, maybe longer than that, just listening to his stories and about miracles and things that he had seen on the missions field. And there was just this, this immediate God connection with this man. And within the next month, I was booked on a trip to Guatemala with him in the off season. And uh, once I went there and I, I got bit by the missions bug and I've been involved with that ever since I made two trips to Guatemala with him. Uh, the last trip to Guatemala I went with him was in 2006 in January within two weeks after I got home, I was on a plane heading to the Philippines with another missions group. And that's, that's where I, where God really started using me, in uh, what I would call pulpit ministry, I guess. It's interesting, and I want to ask you specifically this question because, you know, you have never traveled on the mission field with us, and so... Um, I have not. You don't have to lie to me, right? You can you can be absolutely and brutally honest, <laughs> and you won't hurt my feelings. But um, uh, so, you know... Uh, People, when people go on a mission trip, especially their first mission trip or missions in general, they say that mm. it is completely life changing for them and yes. um, transforming. So I want you to describe that to me. You know, what do you feel like? Who was Scott Presley before that, and and how did it change you? I tell you, I'll never forget before I went on my first trip to Guatemala, a good friend of mine is an Assemblies of God pastor. His name's Phil Hasty. He told me, he said, exactly what you just said. He said, this is going to change your life. And he said, I'm going to warn you. He said, you're going to get back to the States and you're going to want to throw rocks at other Christians. And he was right. That, that sound, you know what I'm talking about though. When you see, uh, the need and more, more so than the need, but the hunger that the people, overseas in these third world countries have, it makes you uh, kind of embarrassed of how gospel hardened and spoiled we are as a nation. And uh, I, I think one of the main perspectives that changed for me, especially my time in the Philippines, is I expected to go over there, two different things. First of all, I expected to go over there to minister to them, but honestly, it was the other way around. I felt like I was ministered to. Um, and also I felt like I would feel sorry for them in, in the conditions in which they live, because I mean, you've been in, in these areas, you know, that some of them are, are dirty and not, uh, not exactly what would be up to what we would, um, like for our standards of living. But I, I tell you, I did not feel sorry for the people at all because of the hunger and the relationship with God that they had. They had something that we don't have here. 
and, and have a passion that that we seems to seem to have lost as a nation. But yeah, I, I think the mission field going on the mission field is life changing in so many different so many different ways. I want to give you guys a plug too. If anybody is thinking about going on on a missions trip with with you guys, do it. If if you feel even remotely led to go, uh, get it booked. Get it booked, even if it's one time. Go. You can't give us a plug, Scott. You haven't experienced this yet. <laughs> hey, but I've not experienced it with you guys. But I know, I know, I know you. I know the ministry. I know, know Chuck. And uh, it's. I'm telling you, if you're if there's somebody out there that's on the fence, I, I'm here to push you over the fence a little bit. So go. Amen. Amen. Well, something you mentioned in the beginning of our interview that I want to talk about now. So you said that you didn't consider even con- remotely consider ministry because you were afraid of public speaking. And that's a little odd for an entertainer. Like you're out on the stage every single day almost of your life. And at the same time, you're afraid of public speaking. And so then here you are on the mission field, and I'm sure that you were required to do some public speaking there. Well, being on stage as a a musician is way different than talking. And even singing is way different than than speaking to people. I I always say I, I like to hide behind my guitar. And uh, I tell you, the first few times I was up on on a stage or on a platform without an instrument in front of me, I felt like I was standing up there naked. It's oh a my very, goodness. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a strange strange thing. But um, yeah, the, my first time to the Philippines, I didn't. We did more construction work in the uh, in Guatemala. But when I went to the Philippines for the first time, I got thrown right into the fire. Uh, we we were just there. I think maybe the first or second night and I was uh, slated to preach a youth service that was there. And, um, I was, I was a nervous wreck. I I just wanted, it was in a little jungle area. I just wanted to go out and throw up in the back. I didn't, didn't want to do it at all, but, um, it, it, we had, my goodness, there's probably seven or 800 people there. And we had lots of, you know, people touched, touched by the Holy spirit, lots of salvations. And it had nothing to do with me because, the way I look at it, I was I was speaking through an interpreter and Sister Elsa fixed everything that I messed up. It's the way that worked. But also, don't you think, and I think that's part of that transformation experience that people talk about on the mission field, whether it's public speaking or normally it happens on the mission field that you are thrown out of your comfort zone. Everything that exactly. you are used to holding on to, all your safety nets, all your familiarity is gone (laughs) and you are completely dependent on God and you have to do things that you never thought yourself of doing before. Well, and that's the truth. And and it's not just uh, speaking or doing ministry things. It's a lot of things. It's the food that you're eating. It's the the conditions that you're staying in. Um, Just uh, the culture, the culture shock, everything throws you out of your, of your uh, comfort zone. It's like I, it's kind of like getting cold water thrown on you. Remember the ice bucket challenge they did a few years ago. That's kind of the there same you go. same experience. There you go. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. In the end, you survive that, and not only you survive that, you feel like, wow, I want to do this again because it has yes. stretched me and it caused me to grow and it brought me closer to God. It helped me realize that I'm capable of things. Wouldn't you agree mm-hmm. that this is all part of that addiction 
that people experience, you know, um, after after their very first trip. But for you, it didn't stay stay there. And that's what I love about your story so much. So you didn't just experience transformation on the mission field and you continued going on the mission field for years and years. But mm-hmm. then you decided to do something about it in your own area. So let's talk about that. Well, you know, it's looking back. It's I haven't really thought about this in in a lot in a few years, really. But um, once once I got the bug and started ministering on the missions field, it was hard to come back and just be a part of a church and set up on the platform and play guitar. You know, I wanted to be more hands on involved in the ministry side of it, and uh, man, God just started opening those doors. I never wanted to speak publicly, but then, you know, people would start asking me to share testimony about the missions uh, field. Um, my my pastor at the time had me, you know, share after my first trip to Guatemala, just get up and share with the people. And it was so easy because I was just sharing my heart. The hard part was keeping the tears back, you know, Um then within a few weeks, I, my wife and I, we were on, on Jim Baker's show talking about it. And then, you know, just here and there, different small speaking windows at different places. Uh, then God opened up a, a window for me to be able to, to preach in a theater ministry here that was going on at the Stafford Theater. So next thing I know, I'm doing this on a weekly basis. And um, it, it's just been going ever since. And so then how did you how and why did you come up with the idea of starting a church? It just happened. I don't know that that's something I ever really wanted to do. I just fell into it. The The church we were attending at the time was going through some very uh, trying times and was, was basically falling apart. Uh, my, my term on the board was up and it was time for me to, to step back. At that point, um, myself and a good friend of mine, Shane Grady, who had started the, uh, the Philippines ministry, he was doing a Bible study in his real estate office. And he wanted me to start doing that uh, every Sunday morning. So I I transitioned into that, and we were we were doing that every Sunday morning. We moved to a little bigger location. It kept growing. Uh, moved to the warehouse uh, that we were there for a number of years, and uh, it, it continued to grow from there. Uh, then it kind of stagnated at that point because you know where Bee Creek Road is. You try to explain to somebody from Wisconsin how to find that warehouse on Bee Creek Road. They ain't going to find it. And we had this core group of about 30 or 40 people that wasn't growing. And because of the platform that I have on stage, we had the opportunity to have a lot of visitors from out of town. But again, it's hard to explain where that was. And uh, God just opened the door for us to start using the theater for our Sunday morning service. And uh, it's just been amazing, amazing since then. Well, I feel like in a sense... Um, it, it's kind of a complete circle for the Presley show, you know, <laughs> because of because of yeah. the faith foundation of your family. It just seems only natural that uh, on that one day when the building is not being used for entertainment is being used as the house of God. <laughs> I, yeah. I think it's a it, very it, it natural is. fit. It is. And, you know, every, every night, every every show, uh, my dad during part of the part of the show invites people to show up on Sunday morning and, and they show up. I, I like to say and I'll say this most Sunday mornings, people will come in to this ministry, tourists in, in particular, visitors to Branson. And a lot of them, 
don't know what they're getting into. They don't know if they're coming to a show. They don't know if they're coming to a church service. And uh, they show up, and I'll say the Holy Spirit's there waiting for them. And we, we see people that normally would not be in a church. They might not feel comfortable in a church, but they feel comfortable coming into a theater. And like I said, the Holy Ghost is waiting for them there. And we've seen salvations. We, well, we see salvations and rededications weekly. But, I mean, we've seen healings, breakthroughs, just um, miracle after miracle, testimony after testimony. It's been an amazing journey so far. I'm sure that within the line of your work, uh, Scott, you probably meet people that are broken and that are hurting and yeah. not necessarily in the right relationship with God. And uh, I, have you had a chance uh, through your long career to be able to help them just because of how Jesus helped you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's been, you know, we've all had challenges and things that we go through. And I think that we go through those things for a number of different reasons. One is sometimes to humble us. Uh, I have many times to humble us. I've been humbled more times than I want to admit. Uh, and to strengthen us, to strengthen our faith. So we have the testimony. I, I just, I taught on uh, David and Goliath. I know that's a something, a story everybody knows, but you know how David just recalled the the lion and the bear. And I think those challenges that we go through so we can look back and, and see what God brought us through. But not only that. So when he puts those people in our path that have gone through the same or going through the same thing, we can minister to them. We can tell them, hey, hey, I've been through this and here I am. He's going to bring you through this, too. Yes, I've had more more times than I can even think that I've been able to do that. Well, I think it's a really refreshing, uh, you know, to have. Um, a show, and I know that a lot of shows in Branson um, always incorporate a gospel segment into their program, Correct, yeah. and I don't know if it's always heartfelt or it's more to um, <laughs> cater to the public that uh, comes to Branson, but right. um, even if even so, I think it's wonderful to be able to come in our day and time to come to a show. Um, and know that, A, you're not going to hear anything offensive to your faith, right. you know, or exactly. uh, offensive to your ears, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> most of our entertainment is right now, yeah, but yeah, also give credit credit to God. And um, I, I'm really blessed to see that in your kids, too. I, mm -hmm. uh, of all your children, I know Lauren the best because yes, she's the yeah. one who actually did travel with us on the mission yes, field. Yes, she did. She's been out with you guys once or twice. Twice, I think, twice. she traveled oh, yeah. with us. And, no, Ireland. three times. She went oh, twice she to China. Ireland and once to China. Mm -hmm. And so um, just watch that love for God uh, in her that has been passed through generations has been uh, right. extremely exciting. And so now you guys have two grandbabies. So yeah, how about that? I'm, I'm not old <laughs> enough for this grandparent thing. Uh, we never are. We never are <laughs> old enough to step into that phase. But um, uh, I'm excited to see what God is doing in your family and uh, in in the show and in your church. So well, thank you so um, much. Thank you so much for this interview, Scott. And I look forward to the day when you're going to join us on the mission field and. Uh, 
We can move mountains for Jesus together. Hey, we we will do it. We've got to make that happen one of these days. But Chuck's got to go too. I got to go with Chuck. Come on. Oh, 100%. We can't separate <laughs> the two of you. <laughs> no. That's for sure. Well, thank you again and uh, many blessings to you. Scott's story has two major turning points, when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and when he went on his first mission trip. These events would lay the groundwork for God to bring his family's theater full circle using its foundation of faith to turn the stage into a house of worship every Sunday morning. Now the Holy Spirit uses Scott's church to change lives the same way his life was changed years ago. At World Missions Alliance, we believe that changed lives change lives. If you would like to learn more about what we do and how you can get involved, visit our website, rfwma.org. I also want you to consider supporting this podcast. We really depend on listeners like you to continue going, and this podcast reaches people in 97 countries across the world. Some of these countries, it could be the only way that they get to hear the message about Christ and faith. So if you wish to do that, you can again go on our website, rfwma.org slash forward give, and any amount that you wish to donate would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, I'm Helen Todd. Limitless Spirit Podcast is produced by World Missions Alliance. We believe that changed lives change lives. If you want to see your life transformed by Christ's love, or if you want to help those who are hurting and hopeless and discover your greater purpose in serving Christ through short-term missionary work, check out our website, rfwma.org and find out how to get involved.